What a dynamic truth to know that no power of hell, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And, and that one day he's coming to call us home. Events around this world causes us to be anxious, doesn't it? There's nothing like going home. But yet we still have ministry to do here. We still have people to share with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There can be no greater joy. I do have one question, though, for all of you. We need for you to do something for us. Will you do something for us on Wednesday? We're going to have a group of people. In fact, all of those who are involved this year in Awana ministry and youth ministry, please come to the platform. I didn't dress like this to be by myself. All of you that are involved in Awana ministry and youth ministry, please come, come, come up here. That even includes the bus ministry. Ha ha ha. Yeah, here, you thought you'd get out of that, wouldn't you, brother? Yes. On Wednesday nights, we will have, we meaning even myself, you don't get one of these shirts just because you want one. You got to do something to get this shirt. I think it's $25. No, no, it's, you, you got to... Engage yourself, in, and I'm looking forward to being young again with a Sparks Minute kindergartners. Oh, I can't wait. It's been a long time since I've had a kindergartner in my house, so I can't wait to be a part of them. Tim, are you with Awana this year? No. We'll pray for you. <laughs> I know he'll be praying for us. He'll be praying. I want us to stand, please. All the rest of you, please stand. We're going to dedicate not only these workers, but this year to the glory of God, that the gospel would reach children, and life-changing gospel that will give them hope in a world that is hopeless. Let's pray together, shall we? God, I am so glad that we have here at Grace Community Church individuals who just want to see children come to know you. The opportunities that we will have beginning this Wednesday, Lord, you already are preparing. The number of children that will be here the number of unsaved children that will be here that they need to hear of the power of the cross. We thank you, God, that for this wonderful opportunity that we will have to minister in many different ways to these children, all the way from kindergarten up through sixth grade, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us 
And when times seem to become difficult, when our strength seems to be waning, I pray, O oh God, that you would infuse us with a love that goes way beyond that. To be able to look into the eyes of these children and tell them that no matter how old you are or how young you are, there's a Savior who died for you. And he wants you to come to know him. May it be our passion this year. Oh God, may it be our privilege this year to see children's hearts changed through the power of the word of God. Oh, there's going to be refreshment time and there's going to be game time and song time and teaching time and learning time and all those different times together, I pray, O oh God, that we would never lose sight of praising you. So I dedicate these individuals who have given up their time to minister, and it's really not their time, it's your time, God. As we minister together, I ask, O oh Lord, that we would pray one for another to encourage one another. And the church body, as they meet both in the men's Bible studies and the ladies' Bible studies, they too will be praying for us. That, Lord, that your name would be lifted high in praise to you. Keep us safe as we travel on the bus. May we, as we minister there, be the foundational setting of the children that we will bring from broken homes. We bring them here. May they sense that they're loved and cared for. And so, God, all we're asking is that you would bless. For we desire, O oh Lord, to minister in ways to honor you. And for this, we will praise you. And thank you in the matchless name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you may be seated. Unless you're all preaching, you can go. What a joy. I'm so looking forward to being involved in, in Awanas. And, uh, I, I believe we're going to have a great time. This morning's is only part one, and maybe it might only be part one of part three. I don't know. But this morning, I, I want to touch base. Oh, i got to turn this on. It's not you guys back there. It's me. I didn't turn this on. What does the Bible say about government and our responsibility? If you are aware, just most recently, 
in the city of St. Louis, riots have broken out because individuals are not happy. They're not satisfied. They view life as giving to them a, a bad deal, if you would say. It seems that lawlessness has become the law of the land. If you were like me, I was appalled at seeing individuals during the time of Hurricane uh, Harvey, I believe it was, going in and ransacking stores. That's really nothing new. In fact, if you chase history back, and Pup, I'm not taking your any thunder from you as being a history teacher, brother, but if you trace history back, back to 1968 and 69, during those years, it was very turbulent time in our country. It was during the time of the Vietnam conflict. They never called it a war. They called it a conflict. In 1968, there were massive riots during the Democratic convention that was in Chicago at that time. 1968 was also the burning of a section of Los Angeles called Watts, where individuals were not happy with life. It wasn't too far after that of when Roe versus Wade made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, wherein then it was deemed a right to end the life of an unborn child. And from that moment on, we have been caught in this vortex of anger, this plot, if you will, to make sure that violence, through violence, we get what we want. And that hasn't ceased much because man hasn't changed much. So in this two and maybe three part study, what does the word of God have to say about government and our response to it? What is interesting in the writings of both the not-so-New Testament and the New Testament, most of the books that have been recorded have been during times of political upheaval. There were a few times where the, the nation of Israel found themselves in a peaceful situation. That usually only occurred during the reign of Solomon. Some of you were saying, well, what about King David? Well, remember, King David was a man of war. He was a warrior. 
And he had many battles during his time of reign. But it was usually, as we look, it's only during the time of Solomon where Israel itself was the power. And there seemed to be a time of peace. You come to the New Testament and we recognize the fact that most of the New Testament, if not all of it, was written during a time that Rome was in charge. And you might remember that Rome was not usually friendly to those who were called Christians. People of the way. And yet we find, we will find in the scriptures, direct commands written by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, that they were to react in a very positive way, not a negative way. Even if it was to cause them their death. So what does the word of God have to say about government? And what's our response? All of that being the opening, let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have established government. It's for a purpose. Its purpose is laid out very clear in the word of God. And even though the present civil government doesn't seem to match what the word of God has to say, we're asking, O oh Lord, what is our response? So as we begin on this journey, I pray, O oh God, that first of all, our hearts would be instructed from a historical perspective of what government is. And then, O oh Lord, from a biblical perspective of what is our response. So, Heavenly Father, you guide us today. You instruct us. And by your Spirit, cause a time of in our minds that we will learn that we may know in order that we may honor you. And we will thank you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen. In the onset, I wish to walk through with you from a historical perspective. Where did we get government. Here's a quote that I found, and I found it to be very interesting. It's almost a definition of what government is. It is over the centuries, mankind has tried a lot of options in an effort to find a means of government, a mechanism of management that would make life livable and deal with issues such as crime, social justice, education, the environment, and so on. 
from this historical statement, we're going to review some of these options. There are six historical options of government or to government. The first one is anarchy. <laughs> anarchy literally means the absence of government. There is no government. When anarchy reigns, as in times of revolution and national upheaval, chaos rules because no one is in charge. Let me give you a verse. Judges 21 and 25 says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Why? Because there was no king in the land. There was no system of management when we're talking about government. Anarchy means A, none, no government. Here's one I have a tough time pronouncing. Oligracy, is that, is that correct? Pup, help me out here, brother. Is that okay? Good, okay. This is the rule by an elite few who sit down and decide what is good for the masses. <coughs> In reality, in a more recent form of government that we find in the New Testament, we could include Pharisees and Sadducees. They determined what was good and what was not good. And you see that throughout the Gospels as Jesus deals with these religious leaders how they have taken God's word and twisted it to make it mean what they wanted it to mean, all for the purpose of controlling the masses of people. It is a handful of people who decide what is good and right and what is bad and ugly, and usually it's for corrupt and selfish purposes. The next from a historical is monarchy. Monarchy is a king ruled by a king or queen who sits as the supreme authority in the land. From a biblical perspective, we would consider first and second kings to fit in this particular situation. From a historical perspective, First and Second Kings give to us the kings who reigned during the time of the nation of Israel. When the monarchy, when the monarchy is the absolute form of government, the monarch has the power of life and death and decides what is good or bad for the nation. When the whole area known as Israel today 
during the not-so-New Testament, it was divided into two sections. There was the northern section comprised of ten kingdoms, ten tribes, if you will. The southern section was comprised of two. The northern section was referred to in the scriptures as Israel. The southern was Judah. The northern section of Israel had no good kings, not one. But they reigned. And the southern section, known as Judah, had some good kings. The next one, ecclesiocracy. I got that one, Pop. I practiced that one more. Which is a rule by institutional or state church. The church ruled. During a time of the Middle, Middle Ages, the medieval papacy is a good example of this kind of government, although the Pope wasn't the official head of state in the various countries of Europe, but the church played a dominant role. And the Pope often had a hand in raising up and disposing rulers. What's interesting today, contemporary Islamic countries illustrate this form of government. Next, some that we're more familiar with, democracy, which means just rule by majority. Rule by majority. Well, that's fine if the majority is right. But if you rule by majority and the majority is wrong, the country's in trouble because the worse the majority gets, the more wrong choices they will make. Let me give you a biblical example. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. In chapter 13, Moses under the direction of God, selects 12 individuals to go and spy out the land. And chapter 14 gives you their answer. Majority ruled wasn't a good choice. And because of their choice, the nation of Israel wandered for 40 years until all of those who at that time were 20 years and older died. I've always thought in my mind, what would it have been like if you are the last one alive? You were 20 years old. And everyone is waiting for you because you are now 60. How you feeling today? That cough doesn't sound too good. Get ready, boys. We're going in. He's going down. 
For instance, let me give you for instance. When enough people find out they have the power to vote personal benefits for themselves, they will vote for those benefits. Then the culture is in trouble when the majority of the people become selfish in their choices. That should sound very familiar to us as Americans. Do you realize that the state of California just voted to provide all of the educational assistance that is needed to make sure all illegal immigrants can stay and go to school? Just passed. We're in trouble. But there is a government that I feel God would want us to have, and I believe I can support that biblically. It's the Constitutional Republic. Even in our Pledge of Allegiance, this country is referred to as a what, everybody? A republic. We are a republic. Supposedly to be controlled by a constitution. Now, we do know that the constitution has been unfortunately adulterated to make it say what they want it to say. And by the way, that's nothing new because there are believer people today who take the word of God and make it say what they want it to say. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but in God's eyes, in a constitutional republic, the people rule through their chosen representatives. And those representatives must rule by law. In a republic, there is a governing document or covenant that can be appealed to that all parties are sworn to uphold. It is called a constitution. This document can overrule the majority because they cannot vote out the constitution that is governing the standard of the nation. Today, America is in somewhat of a tension between democratic desires and ruling principles. I believe a constitutional republic is God's ideal, but it only if it operates in the way God intended government and the history to function. And that is under his universal governmental rule. Let me let you in on a little secret, everybody. God is in charge. The world may not know that. He is the supreme ruler. We'll look at that next week. Lord willing, we'll engage ourselves into establishing him 
as the ultimate supreme ruler. And whether this country or other countries recognize it, God is still in control. But I think there are four biblical forms of government that are mentioned in the word of God and they are to be under the constitutional republic. When we talk about government, we're still talking about a form of management. The four that are listed in the word of God is self-government. You. Let me give you a verse. We'll touch this in the weeks ahead, but Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present yourself a living sacrifice unto God. That's you. In other words, who's your allegiance given? Throughout the epistles, there is the constant instruction for both self or personal government, personal management. We are responsible, Paul says, in such a way that we will stand before God and give an answer of the things that we have done personally. Self-government, you and you alone, is the first form of government. The second one is family government. Family management. Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 23, all the way down to chapter 6, verse 4. It is laid out there for us that this is management in the family realm. The next one is church government. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 13 gives for us qualifications for leaders in the church. Titus chapter 1, verse 5 to 16 give us qualifications and also duties of leaders in the church. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 13, specific guidelines are given to those who are not in leadership, but are still in the church. So you have church government. And lastly, civil government. Civil government is, is covered in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 7. And also 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. It will be our duty as we begin next week to look at these different, these four 
biblical forms of government? And how am I supposed to respond? The first one you're not going to like. Because it's about you. But I will tell you this. If self-government is weak, family government will be weaker, church government will be weaker, but civil government will be the strongest. And that's not supposed to be. We cannot complain if we ourselves are not doing what God has laid out for us to do in his word. That'll be our journey. I trust there'll be as many as are here this morning will be here next week. And most likely the next week after that because we're not even going to get through half of this. But that's our journey. That's what we need to do. As believers, as citizens of heaven, as representatives of the king, we are to be light in the darkest of times. And I'm afraid that we are entering the darkest of times. We'll journey together, won't we? Let's pray. Father, not a very popular subject, but it is very needful that we cover what it is to be and what it is to know the biblical perspectives of government and my responsibility. Guide us, O Lord, in the weeks ahead that what we say and do will be for your honor and your glory. And we'll praise you in your name. Amen.